Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, welcome back. I'm Thomas Dinas, your host, and this is the Delicious Legacy Podcast, an archaeogastronomical adventure through space and time. A podcast where we explore the flavors and tastes of the past and searching for ancient recipes all over the world. First of all, I would like to thank you all for listening to the podcast as we are now 100 episodes deep into our exploration. And especially I want to thank my Patreon backers for all the support all these years. And today I would like to say thanks to Steve Cartwright and uh, Ryan Dom for the support. And uh, welcome also Ian Swordsman, Tracy Marcotte, Diana B and Emilia in our um, Patreon page. So if you listen to this episode, guys, you are amazing. And so, for today's very special episode, I have swapped episodes with a dear friend of mine, uh, the ancient history hound, Neil, who's been um, one of the first people I started following on Twitter as The Delicious Legacy, back all the way back in November 2019. And I've been listening to his podcast and his uh, tweets about ancient Greece and Rome um, for many years now, even before that. So Neil has um, a podcast called Ancient History Hound, and um, we decided um, a few months ago to do an episode swap where he will feature in his podcast in his timeline, one of my episodes, and I'll do the same for one of his. And uh, for this week, I've decided, or we decided, that the best thing to do is um, to have an episode about Haloa, which is an ancient Greek uh, festival, an ancient Athenian festival as such, happening midwinter. And what's better time than talk about this right now? Because it was happening roughly around December, January time. Uh, you'll find everything, of course, from Neil in the episode following. So yeah, you, you can listen to Neil's podcast uh, everywhere. You get your podcast from Spotify and Apple and uh, Pocket Cast and so on. And um, he's also on Twitter as an ancient blogger. And uh, he has a website called ancientblogger.com. He's also on TikTok, Instagram. So if you like what you listen, and I think you will, give him a follow. 
Yeah, in ancient Greece, as we know, it was a scattered world uh, consisting of um, about a thousand, roughly a thousand uh, Hellenic cities all over the Mediterranean. And as such, there was not uh, one unified calendar nor one unified uh, celebration of gods and um, harvests and so on. So every city had its own way of doing things. And as such, this one, Aloha, it's been uh, more centered around Attica, the region of Athens, where Athens uh, resides. So without further ado, let's go and um, check what uh, Neil has to say. Hello to listeners of the Delicious Legacy podcast. My name's Neil, and I'm the creator and host of the Ancient History Hound podcast. A while back, Thomas suggested we swap episodes, and so here I am. I'm all about ancient history, and though I mainly focus on ancient Greece and Rome, I also cover other cultures, such as the Mesopotamians. In terms of what I talk about, well, there's a lot of variation. For example, here are some episodes from this year, and they've included topics such as Roman campaigns in Scotland, the helots of Sparta, how democracy started in Athens, Hannibal, Greeks in southern Italy, and bees and honey in ancient Egypt, Mesopotamia, and Greece. Oh, and the annual Night of the Livy Dead Halloween special, where I look into the spookier side of antiquity. As for me, I studied ancient history at uni and did a part-time master's in it many, many years ago, and my ancient history website, ancientblogger.com, and this podcast have been a way for me to keep in touch with a subject I simply adore. Just so you know, you can find me elsewhere. I'm on X or Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram as Ancient Blogger, where I post and share ancient history content. My podcast episodes are aimed at all levels of understanding, and the content is clean, no swearing. Some of the topics I cover may not be for younger ears. For example, I did a couple on human sacrifice in ancient Greece, Rome, and other cultures, and there was an earlier episode on STIs in antiquity. That aside, I always include warnings if there's something in the episode which might require it. When it came to choosing the episode I wanted to share, ideally I wanted something with food at its heart, and so immediately I thought of the honey episode I did recently. However, given the time of year, I thought, why not something on a Greek festival called the Hallower? It's also a bit of a shorter episode, so you can get a good taste, of pun intended, of what I'm all about. The Hallower was a fascinating festival, and not one you might have heard about. It involved an all-night feast where drinking was encouraged, as well as obscenities, which was a theme that even carried across to what the women ate. Oh yeah, by the way, this was an all-women festival. So I hope you enjoy this, and again, if you want to come and subscribe, follow, or just say hi, please do. But more importantly, thanks for giving me a chance. Around 11 miles northwest of Athens lies the famed sanctuary of Demeter at Eleusis. It was a hugely important place and famous for hosting the Eleusinian Mysteries. This was a secret religious initiation which was held each year in the autumn. As you might expect, the main deity involved here was Demeter, alongside her daughter Persephone. And it was here that the Hallower was celebrated. This was a festival held in the Attic month of Poseidon. Yeah, he had a month named after him. But to be clear, 
This was the Attic calendar, which related to Athens and Attica, the region around it which Athens controlled. There was no universal standard calendar in ancient Greece, and other regions had their own calendars. But we know that the month of Poseidon tracked roughly with December and January. There's even a specific date given for it, the 26th, but it's quite tricky to align calendars exactly. The Attic calendar was synced to the new moon, which changes. So if it was late in the month, then it could be anywhere from late December through to early January on our calendar. And in a way, it's not that important. What is important, though, is that this festival took place in the depths of winter. And this, as you will hear, was why it happened at all. Another key ingredient was the goddess Demeter, as it was a festival in honour of her. As you might know, Demeter was a goddess of agriculture, and this was a crucial element of life. In fact, in many ways, it was life. A town or city could only be as important as the agriculture which supported it. And in the modern world, we can easily forget this link. A bad or good harvest was literal life or death. The Hallower was a festival specifically linked to Demeter, as you'll hear, and to a specific incident in her myth. This is an old one. Much of the detail is held in the Homeric Hymn to Demeter, which dates to the 7th or 6th centuries BC. And to understand the Hallower, we need to understand the associated myth of Demeter and the specific incident I mentioned. I'll start with the abduction of Persephone, something you've probably heard about. She was Demeter's daughter and she was abducted by Hades and that meant she was taken to the underworld. When Demeter found out, she went into a sort of, well, exile. She travelled to Eleusis and assumed the form of an old woman. It was here she sat by a well and was spotted by some noblewomen who took her to the palace at Eleusis. Here the goddess, still in disguise, sat on a stool, despondent. However, a woman called Iambi approached her and made some jokes. These worked and Demeter was cheered up, albeit temporarily. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too. 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, that's one version. In a later version, Iambi was replaced by a character called Borbo. And instead of jokes, Borbo just flashed herself at the goddess, which got the same reaction, laughter. Borbo is present elsewhere in Greek culture and often linked to female genitalia. And this feels like an extreme contrast. On one hand, you've got jokes, and on the other hand, you've got, well, indecent exposure. However, it's not that much of a contrast if those jokes were considered indecent, as Diodorus Siculus, a historian of the 1st century BC, noted. The consensus was then that Iambi got the reaction she did from some very risque material. Bad language aside, something else which does track from the incident to the festival was that it was an all-woman affair. And this wasn't unusual. The Thesmophoria was a big festival for Demeter and also permitted only women. Where the Halloween may have been different was that it was open to all women from all backgrounds and this included hetairai, or prostitutes. All of these women mixed during an all-night feast of partying, drinking and bad language. And I'll get to that in a moment. Before that, I'll try and build a sequence of events and flesh out what happened. The festival kicked off with a sacrifice overseen by a priestess, not a priest. And this is in fact referenced by a speech in the 4th century BC by an orator and all-round Macedonian nemesis, Demosthenes. He spoke about an individual called Archias, who was punished for two things. The first, sacrificing to Demeter on the day of the festival with the wrong kind of offering. And the second, being a man who was doing the sacrificing. The likely location for the sacrifice was a building called the Ascara, and it's probable that this took place in the middle of the afternoon. And I make this assumption based on how long it might take the woman to assemble at the sanctuary. Presumably, they'd have travelled from across Attica, but it's likely many would have come from Athens or via it. And this would make sense. Athens was linked to Eleusis via a road called the Sacred Way. This was used mainly for a procession to it during the Eleusinian Mysteries, but it was presumably used at other times just to get there. The Sacred Way measured 22 kilometres or 13 miles, and it might take anywhere between three and five hours to get there, depending on how fit or able you were to make that journey. By the time many of the women got to Eleusis, it could be early afternoon but they then needed to be marshaled and get into place for the sacrifice, which would have involved offerings such as agricultural produce and cakes. It didn't involve animals. Having the sacrifice around this time would also allow the next stage to be thoroughly prepared for. This was the Panicus, the all-night feast, and you wouldn't want everyone waiting around too long. It would be dark soon, so the women needed to get to where this feast was most likely held, a building in the sanctuary called the Telesterion. This was a large hall which was colonnaded, meaning that there were columns inside it, 42 in fact, and they supported the roof. The Telesterion measured approximately 52 by 54 metres, and this building had seen many phases of construction, and by the mid-5th century BC had eight rows of steps cut from rock on each side. Perhaps there was additional seating, because one estimate 
has the Telesterone as a venue supporting 3,000 people. That's not saying that this was how many women attended, by the way. There's no real way of knowing that kind of number. But it's worth knowing just to give a cap. And it's here that things started to escalate. Amongst the wine and food, women were encouraged to use rude and coarse language, perhaps tell the odd vulgar joke. All this whilst nibbling on a pastry shaped in the form of male or female genitalia. Yeah, they had those as well. And perhaps this is why the Hitare were allowed to mix, the idea being that thematically they aligned well with this. We even have a record of two Hetairai falling out at the Hallowa. Well, in a way we do. The account of the dispute comes in the form of a series of letters written by Alcafron. These were presumably fictional letters, perhaps inspired by real instances, but not written by Hetairai. Unfortunately, that would be incredible on so many levels if we had something like that. We know very little about Alcafron, so we can't actually even date them. The letter in question gave an account of a falling out between Euxippi and Thias, the letter apparently written by Thias to a friend. It all started when Euxippi mocked Thias for losing a lover and then started on her hair and makeup. In the letter, Thias commented to her friend that Euxippi must have been on hard times as presumably she couldn't afford a mirror given the state of her own makeup. By now you might have worked out the rationale for all this shameful talk, rude jokes and that kind of a thing. Namely, the link to that incident with Demeter and the rude jokes. This type of language had a specific name, Apparetta, and it wasn't just found at the Hallowa. At the Stenia and Thesmophoria festivals both held earlier in the year, women engaged in what has been called ritual obscenity, or Apparetta. Both these festivals were in observance to Demeter and linked to the sowing or ploughing of the fields. It wasn't all based in Attica though. In Arcadia, Demeter had a festival which included both men and women. On the third day, men left. In fact, anything male, even dogs, were made to leave. The women had their own mysteries overnight, and when the men returned, the two groups mocked and jeered each other, presumably using bad language. At Apidarus, two choruses of women abused each other at a festival for Damia and Oxesia, local variants of Demeter and Persephone. So why the need for apparetta exactly? Well, it's argued that apparetta had a function of encouraging agricultural fertility. Where apparetta had cajoled a despondent Demeter into laughter, so too the fields in the depths of winter could be roused into action, and this would ensure crops grew during this time. It's important to note that this point in the year was pivotal for agriculture. Crops had been sown and growth was underway. If the crops didn't continue growing properly at this point, the knock-on effect could be a poor harvest in the spring. The idea of rousing the fields into action in deep midwinter could be seen in another important element of the Halawa, fire. The accounts of the sanctuary for the year 329-328 BC recorded that 67 talents weight of firewood was needed for the festival. One estimate puts this at 5,360 pounds, or 2,431 kilograms of firewood. There's been a bit of speculation about what this was used for, as you might imagine. The most likely, though, is for fires and perhaps a bonfire. How the Hallower got its name has been debated. It can be translated as threshing floor, which is where wheat was separated from the chaff. But this would have been done months earlier. Perhaps the sacred threshing floor was where a large bonfire was built. Alternatively, perhaps this was where dances were held. 
There are references to the contest at the Hallower. Presumably, anything in the dark and involving very drunk individuals rules out the more traditional sporting contests. So why not dancing or choruses? It would have been cold and dark, so what better way to keep the feast going throughout the night than a big fire with other fires nearby and dancing and singing? The light and heat, as well as being practical, could be seen as a further way to invigorate the fields and urge good growth. Though we don't have much information about the Hallower, it seems to link in with other festivals associated with Demeter and women, which relates to agricultural fertility. There was the Thesmophoria, which was celebrated at the time of sowing the fields, as I mentioned earlier. If we think of the two working together, then we have the Hallower at that crucial time and working to ensure that the crops grew and that the harvest in the spring would be good. It must also have had a really positive effect on those participating. Hangovers aside, it allowed the women there some license to dance, drink and talk, perhaps even make new friends or learn a new shocking joke or two. And moving to the modern day, if this gives you a few ideas of how to freshen up Boxing Day or just do something completely different, who am I to argue? You can mark it down as cultural. And that brings me to the end of the minisode on the Hallower. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you want to get in touch with me, just come say hi. And if you want to email me, you can do that as well. I'm ancientblogger at hotmail.com. Until next time, take care and keep safe. And that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast and I will have new episodes for you coming very soon. And um, rate and review wherever you get your podcast from. I hope you enjoyed um, our little um, festival of the obscene and um, the festival in honor of uh, Demeter. And remember, you can subscribe on Patreon from $3 a month and get the podcasts early and ad-free. Additionally, you get extra content with um, special recipes, some bonus episodes, and of course, any other music that comes into my head. Thanks for listening. I've been Thomas Dinas, and this was the Delicious Legacy Podcast. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 